Welcome to Skip the Queue, a podcast for people working in or working with visitor attractions. I'm your host, Kelly Molson. In today's episode, I speak with Callum Lumsden, co-founder and creative director of Lumsden Design. Callum shares his journey to founding Lumsden, an interior design agency that creates iconic retail spaces for museums and attractions all over the world. Listen along to hear why retail space is pivotal for today's visitor attractions. If you like what you hear, subscribe on all the usual channels by searching Skip the Queue. Callum, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. It's a pleasure to have you with me. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I'm looking forward to this. I'm glad that you're looking forward to this, but we are going to start (laughs) with our icebreaker questions. Yeah, it might be a thing. You never know. (laughs) So at the start of every podcast, I always ask a few icebreaker questions to our guests. Um, Mostly they're really stupid and just a chance for us to find out a little bit about you. So I would like to know, when you were a child, uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, What did I want to be? Uh, A rock star. (laughs) Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And did you ever come close? Uh, I managed to get a flute from school. Uh, and I was big into a band called Jethro Tull at the time. So uh, what I do, in, Ian, can't remember his last name, he used to stand on one leg and play a flute. That's as far as I got. Oh, right, okay. I mean, can you do the one-legged <laughs> flute, flute playing? I, mean, maybe... I can do the one leg, but not the flute. <laughs> sound very rock starish, does it? No, 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 it doesn't. But Chester uh, and were pretty good. But I was, I was also a roadie for some mates of mine. Uh, they they had a proper band, and that was in Edinburgh. So um, um, I got to um, <laughs> get a little bit of taste of that. But I've you always been like massively interested in um, rock music or music of any kind, really. Oh well, this is really handy then because my next question for you is: um, What is your karaoke song? <laughs> Uh, it's got to be Sweet Caroline. Yeah, it's a classic, yeah, isn't it? That's the one because you can get everybody joining in on it because nobody knows the words, but like they, they get the but 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 so that, that always works. That's the key to a good karaoke song choice, isn't it? Pick yeah. something that everybody else knows, so you're not the only or one. Or things they know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, last one. If you could switch lives with anyone for a day, who would it be? Ooh. Um, somebody who's just starting uh, to go to art college that's a good choice is that because you would be full of the wisdom that you have now Um, or you would you would you would want to go in a different direction uh, yeah it might take me in a different direction of what I originally wanted to do which was to be an artist interesting okay maybe we'll talk a little bit more about that all right firstly though I want to know about your what your unpopular opinion is here's one I think uh, musical theatre is the most unattractive part of the um, creative industries I absolutely hate musicals (laughs) come on bring it on I love it Oh, no, really? What is yeah. it that really upsets you about I it? I just think it's so pretentious. Uh, 
<laughs> naff and horrible. Um, Isn't and it the naffness that makes it great, though? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I just love, I mean, I'm surrounded by people who love musical theatre, so I really like winding them up about it. <laughs> Do you get dragged along, though? Uh, no. No, you point blank refuse. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't even think about. It. People oh, don't wow. even think about asking me because I'll just sit there and be embarrassing. So you wouldn't, you know, not even a little Mamma Mia trip would inspire you. Nope. <laughs> no. I had really high hopes for this interview. I thought we were going to get on so well. <laughs> Sorry, is that the end of it? <laughs> we're done. You can leave. Yeah, get out okay, of my then. podcast booth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let's not get onto Abba either. <laughs> <laughs> oh god can we not because yeah that will just that'll go right off there's a lot of people listening to this that love ABBA and a bit of Eurovision as well so yeah oh yes yeah. sorry everybody all right well let's just we'll park that then um Callum you tell me about your background and how you have uh come to found Lumsden Design well I mean it started it um by me going to art college the art college I, I ended up studying furniture design then I went to the Royal College of Art to do what was then called interior architecture. Uh, and that opened me up to all manner of different people and uh, processes, etc. Um, and then when I graduated, I knew most of the people in the fashion department and they went off uh, to work for various retailers. Uh, and their bosses started saying, is any of your mates uh, any good at interior design? We've got a shop to design. And lots of them said, Oh, I know this guy called Callum. Um, he, <laughs> give him a shout. So that got me into that. So I've been designing shops ever since then. Wow. So that's okay. how it started. Yeah. And so how long has Lumsden Design been around? Well, it's been in a few different um, variations. Uh, you know, because um, um, when I left uh, the RCA, I worked for myself. And then I went to work for various retailers. Uh, in-house, such as Jaeger, for instance. Um, but I was also freelancing uh, myself. Um, and then I eventually joined various big design companies. Um, and then I formed Lumsden Design Partnership, it was called, oh, 20, 30, 35 years ago, <laughs> something like that. It's the longest job you've ever had. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, that has gone through various uh, different um, for, formations. I did uh, merge with um, another design company for a couple of years. And then I started what it is now, which is Lumsden Design. Um, although we're getting rid of the design, just calling it Lumsden now. Um, I like that. And, That's quite rock starry, isn't it? You just got the one yeah. name now. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, keeping the Lumsden name is, is, is had its um, it's had its advantages, but there's also disadvantages because <laughs> I mean, how long can you know Lumsden isn't just me. I have a team of people, mm. a great team of people, and um, you know, it's it, it's everybody um, has to be part of, of all of that and clients need to understand that I can't be there on every single mm-hmm. one and all of those kind of things. So um, so this one, this variation, which uh, will stay <laughs> the same, um, is probably uh, goes back to 2010. Yeah, so 12 years um, in, in this kind of uh, the, the way that we're doing it now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so... 
it's really interesting the way that you've kind of because uh, this podcast is obviously for people that work in and for the attraction sector yeah and you have kind of evolved a little bit over the years haven't you in in terms of working mm. in that sector so it wasn't that wasn't what you set out doing was it yeah there's a bit of happy chance that, that's gone on I mean um uh, the route to where we are now started probably in the year 1998 when we pitched for um, the retail for Tate Modern. And I, I'd always done retail, but I was asked to pitch for um, Tate Modern. I presume that you've been there or yeah. people that are listening to this know it. Um, and we, we won it and I had no idea about the importance of retail to... Uh, the cultural sector um, and that uh, opened in year 2000 22 years ago believe it or not mm. um, and then that got me into this sector so I started uh, I mean Tate Modern kicked it off and then it was uh, people like uh, the V&A um, the Natural History Museum the Science Museum uh, so I started spinning into this and then that, that went into loads of different places. Um, and I'd always worked in retail, but retail, uh, if you take mainstream retail, it's about, um, you, from a design perspective, you come up with a concept, uh, you, you build it, and if it's successful, um, then it gets repeated again and again and again. It's, the Americans call it cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. If you think of Gap, whichever Gap you see, it looks exactly the same. With this sector, you every single client is different. Um, and then eventually took the decision that um, we would just concentrate on that sector. And the, the route to visitor attractions was winning um, the uh, Warner Brothers um a project in Leavesden, just outside of London, um, doing the retail for the Harry the, the Harry Potter. Um, the name uh, that everyone stu- always studio gets wrong. Tour. <laughs> yeah, it's the Harry Potter Studio Tour. <laughs> uh, so no, no, it's the uh, Warner, Brothers Warner Brothers Studio, studio Tour. Tour, the making, making of Harry, of Harry Potter. Potter. Harry Potter. There we, we, had Jeff, we had Jeff Spooner on. Yeah, sorry, so. Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. We, but he said everybody gets it wrong. They either call it the Harry Potter Tour or the Warner Brothers yeah. Tour. It's always it's always a different yeah. a different name every time. And and it's interesting connection with the route to get to there because the reason that I got contacted about um, uh, pitching for for that project was a couple of the directors from um, Warner Brothers in uh, LA went to the British Museum. And we'd done all the retail for the British Museum. And there's a, um, one of the library rooms in the British Museum is called the Grenville Room. Uh, when you walk into the British Museum, you turn right, and it's where all the, uh, the high-end um, products are sold, everything from statues to jewellery to watches. Da, 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 da. And it's got loads of books. And our whole Harry Potter is that. And they said to the guy who's in charge of the British Museum, uh, commercial side, um, who did this? And that was that was me. Well, me and my team, um, and we pitched for it and we won it. And that 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 kind of started us into this amazing 
um, journey with um, Warner Brothers and various other places. Oh, I love that. It's it's a really, it, I, I wanted to ask you how you became specialist. And I love that you've said it's kind of like a catalyst process because that's kind of what happened to us as well. We, we won a big project for um, an existing client for Perno Ricard. So we, we worked on a project for the Plymouth Gin Visitor Centre. Mm-hmm. We created their ticket booking system and their website. And it was such a, a brilliant experience going through that, you know, to, to understand about kind of um, the experience economy and, and visitor, visitor experience and visitor, you know, how you take somebody on a journey through that. That was the catalyst for us. That was a really exciting project. And it was a world that we just thought we want to be more and more involved in and it's really lovely to hear that that was kind of a similar effect to you you, you know it, yeah. it's brought you into this incredible world of of it's fun isn't it you know all of these things that we work on they're really fun yeah um you know and that's what's interesting about all the clients that we work with it they're all entirely different um you know and the, we've kind of got a who's who of of um of clients you know abbey road Everybody in the world knows Abbey Road. You can yeah. talk to somebody from China and they'll know what uh, Abbey Road is all about. Um, you know, and that, that's about, uh, as much about visitor experience as the um, studio tour in, in Leavesden. So I've got, I've got quite a few questions for you today, but let, I just want to touch on what you said earlier, because you were talking about Gap and the cookie cutter yeah. experience at their stores. So with that, I guess people work out what works and they just replicate it. Yours is so different because every store that you're working on is completely different. Everything has a different brand story. It has different values. How do you how do you even start to kind of approach a project when it's so different each time you do it? Um, we well, it's a very overused word, but immerse ourselves in that brand uh, as much as we can. We we sit down um, or walk around and just talk to people, observe find out who the visitors are, are they fans, are they school kids? Um, you know, and that, that's the difference in this, this sector because if you go to, say, a high street brand again, you probably got, you know, uh, they, every retailer will say, well, our core customer is. Um, for the people that we work for, there there is a kind of bit of a core customer, but... Actually, it can be anybody from two years old to 82 years old. Um, you know, the, uh, uh, the Warner Brothers studio tour, you, you know, it's international. It's, um, it, you know, it can be a grannies and grandpas to a, a whole troop of school kids to, you know, teenagers or mums who were reading uh, the Harry Potter books when they were six. Uh, who are now reading that to their their own kids, um, and you know if you go to, um, we work for MoMA in New York. Um, you know you've got absolute um, uh, fans of uh, MoMA products. Um, you know uh, the New York dinner set will go and buy their china and their cutlery. Uh, uh, for, for their at the New York um, design store, MoMA design store, um, go across the road to the museum itself, and you'll get a tourist who's come from Austria, 
um, because you know, so it, actually defining who the so understanding that uh, is, is completely different every single time. Um, you know, the national theatre that we did in uh, uh, the South Bank. Um, you know, the the shop there was the bookshop that you went to to find a particular book on a particular play. We changed that around to actually make it about stories about the productions that were going on in uh, the theatre the theater itself. And they have three or four at one time because there's lots of different theatres. And to help the, um, the, the retail team there design the products that will fit that store but still have the bookshop at the back because they weren't making any money out of that but they are making money out of the products right. and understanding how because it's not just about making the the spaces look great or seamless which is another part of what needs to be done but it's also they've got to make money they've, they, they have to increase revenue that that's why that's why they're there in the first place, apart from everybody expects to go into, I hate the term gift shop, <laughs> but you know, um, but ninety six percent of people will go into the Exit shop to buy the gift something, shop. yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, and they will buy something. So make the most of it. It's it's a fascinating process, isn't it? I think um, you you touched on it there in terms of the commercial, but you know why why is retail space so important to the sector? It, it is about commercials, right? Yes, it is. Um, but it does have um, benefits as well. Um, visitor attraction is slightly different to the cultural sector um, because the, the cultural sector, the money that's generated goes to the curators to help them buy um, the objects that they want in their collections. Um, and it also helps in the education part of what they do um, uh, and the events and everything else. I mean, you know, if you take MoMA, their retail turnover is $52 million per year. Um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. I'm not able to tell you what Warner Brothers is, um, but let's say it's really quite successful. Um, but that goes back into them to be able to develop the next part because a studio tour never can't stand still. It's everybody has to look at all right. What we're we going to do in the next year, the next two years, um, because they will repeat visits. Um, so, so to be able to do that, and to be fair to Warner Brothers, they also put a lot uh, uh, back into the local community education as well um developing their staff all of those kind of things so there's a there's a whole load of other aspects to it so the, the money that's generated um you know is, is really important to everybody yeah yeah completely how does it help to, to sustain their visitor engagement so what what part does retail play in in making that visitor maybe come back or be more engaged with the brand well again um the retail offer uh, is down to the merchandise. The, the merchandise has to be looked at as creatively as possible in terms of, okay, what else can we do that will grab people's attention? So, you know, there's, um, there's an introduction of hampers 
for at Warner Brothers for Harry Potter. Um, so you could actually take a whole Harry Potter-based hamper with loads of product in it, so that so you've got a whole set of something that yeah. that was introduced. That that's been re- really important. You know that that's been a really successful one. Personalization, doing lots of different things to actually make you know a wand that's just for you, or all of those kind of things. Um, and personalization and is becoming really well. It's there. It's become uh, really important, also in the, in the cultural sector as well, um, where you know you can get your own name on on it. You you can have you 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 can cut, get things custom made according to you know because people like Adidas and Nike they're doing that. You can get your trainers personalized. Mm. All of that needs to seep into the sector that I work in as well, um, and that that that's becoming really successful. Yeah. And I guess, you know, some of the the retail spaces that you've, I mean, most of the retail spaces that you've designed, they almost become experiences in themselves, don't they? You're like an, a mini attraction <laughs> within an attraction. Uh, well, yeah. Um, well, a lot of, yeah, there, I mean, there are, the, the there's a quite a lot of um, stores that we've done that people go to, but they don't, don't go into the museum. Um, <laughs> Uh, but Tate Modern is one example. Um, <clears throat> Mom is another example. Um, but that that's not the point. The, the point is that the, what is being sold and how you actually design that store needs to reflect the, the brand of the institution that it's part of. Mm-hmm. And it should be, in, my, in our view, um, a seamless thing. So you shouldn't feel, all right, well, I'm not going into the shop. It should feel that it's part of, um, you know, the Harry Potter experience or uh, the museum or the theatre experience uh, in terms of look and feel. So that means that the space uh, could be inspired by... Well, for Harry Potter, it's about the props uh, that are in there, um, you know, referring to Diagon Alley in terms of the look and feel of the place. Um, Or, you know, if you take uh, the British Museum, it reflects the architecture um, because it is a completely different, you know, that's big tourist and people want the British Museum because it's a fantastic building. It's got an amazing collection. Mm. Yeah, everything that's in the shop is telling stories about what they've just seen as they've walked around the museum. And that's what they want to take a piece of. They want to take that memory away either for themselves or to um, buy for somebody. And, and that, that, that's where the, the click happens between retail and the actual experience of walking around the rest of the, the building etc so I would love to know the process that you go on when you start to work with a visitor attraction you touched on it earlier about kind of mm. immersing yourself into who their clientele is who their customers are who's going to be visiting yeah. can you share the process that you take you take the 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 kind of cultural um institution on or the attraction on so things that they need to think about or think research that they need to carry out if they're going to go through this process with you well, most of the institutions that we work with or the companies or the brands, they, they have their um, research anyway. 
so so the, the the demographics, for instance, will be well and truly looked at um, by, without exception, actually. There's usually something, um, except when it's a brand new, um, you know, we haven't done this before. Uh, that that's usually very interesting. Um, we just did the the stores for amazing new um, museum that's been built in Hong Kong called M Plus. That's M with a plus sign, which has the l- largest collection of contemporary visual culture in Asia. Um, it's an amazing um, building. It's it's taken something like twenty years to finally come to to fruition. We've been working with them for five years. It opened last November. Sadly, Hong Kong is um, closed because of COVID, etc. So I've actually been able to oh, to no. visit what we just sweated tears over. Oh gosh, that must be really hard. Yeah, to not yeah be it's able really to see difficult. It. Yeah, um, but they are anticipating um, the people from Hong Kong, but also most of. Uh, when they're allowed to, people from uh, China, but also Asia, um, but they're also expecting inter- other international uh, tours. So, so guy deciding who was going to be the demographic for there was a little bit, yeah, you know, uh, hit and miss. Abbey Road was the same. They they knew that everybody, so many uh, people, tourists, buses, etc., were. Um, rocking up uh, to walk across the zebra crossing um, and, and really upset London taxi drivers the whole time. <laughs> but they had no idea if people would actually walk into the building to um, buy anything, but it's been an, an enormous success. So so you have to make assumptions. It's a long way around of, of saying that. But most of the time, you, you know, uh, the, the details of the demographics will be there. Talking to the curators, talking to uh, the management, talking to the retail teams as well is, is, is our way of doing it. And an awful lot of the time we're working in, such as the M Plus in Hong Kong example, um, working with a brand new building that the architect, you know, you've, you've got um, super uh, important architects have been commissioned to design these amazing buildings. Um, so being allied with them uh, in terms of their vision for the building to, is, is another part of what we, we like to understand um, in terms of, you know, the materials they're using, the space they're going to give us, where, where it's actually going to go, because the location of a shop, it's not always... Um, exit through the gift shop, um, <laughs> you know, all, all of those, you know, are there other opportunities? So we look at all of that with the uh, with the, the client teams that we work with. And then that starts to, for us, that, that, that's the kickoff point, uh, understanding what the merchandise is. A lot of the time that's been developed at the same time as we're, because it actually takes longer to get merchandise together than it does to build a shop. Oh, really? uh, oh yeah. I mean, you know, sometimes it can be two years. Um, with in museums, you're, um, you know, if if you say somewhere like the National Gallery, um, if they want, I mean, their most popular product is uh, the sunflower uh, painting by Van Gogh, um, which will be 
they've got on everything from beer mats to fridge magnets, etc. Working to get permission to do that from artists can take ages. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Andy Warhol, that's the working at Abbey Road. Um, trying to get the Beatles, the, the, the guys who are looking after the Beatles or Pink Floyd or Rolling Stones, they are super sensitive about, no, you can't do that. Or you can do that. that it took wow. ages to, for Abbey Road to really sort of get the products. They've, they've done it, but it's taken a long time. Yeah. I wonder what they vetoed. No, you well, can't put yeah. my face on a tea towel. Well, I had a, an idea about mean Mr. Mustard stocks, socks. <laughs> Um, that didn't happen. <laughs> Disappointing. <laughs> yeah, I would have warned them. Me too. And <laughs> um, that's brilliant. I mean, thank you for that insight into the into the process. I mean, I guess then um, the brands that you work with are phenomenally well known, or they have such rich history, or such good stories, like Harry Potter, or you know, um, like you mentioned the National Gallery there the designing of the stores and what they're going to look like interior, they, that must be the easy part. You've got so much to work with. <laughs> um, no, it's never easy um, because, I mean, there's there's lots of layers of um, people that you need to go through. Um, and, I, I mean, you know, navigating that it mm-hmm. can be quite um, um, interesting, shall we say, because yes. um, every... <laughs> Everybody's got an opinion. Um, and there are so, like quite a lot of boards involved in cultural yeah. organisations as well, aren't they? So you, 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 there's a lot of layers of people to come through. Well, yeah. And, um, you know, if you're working with a museum, um, you're working with academics and they don't have conversations, they have debates. Mm. And inevitably that debate will mean there'll be 25 people in the room <laughs> who all have to say something. <laughs> And you come away with, was there a decision there? <laughs> and then, then you've got the architects. Um, the architects can be very easy to work with or very opinionated and have like one direction. And so actually navigating that is uh, can be quite entertaining sometimes. Um, I mean, we did the V&A Dundee. Um, which is an amazing build. That was designed by a Japanese architect called Kiyokumi. And they were fantastic. They were just so, yes, this is, we'd like this. There was uh, everything kind of fitted. Um, it, it, it was good, but there were, there's other examples that I won't go on air about. <laughs> I was like, going to ask you. I was no, going to ask nose, you. Nose to nose. Without um, naming any names, can you tell us about an experience where you just you, you couldn't get what you wanted? Um, I usually get what I want. <laughs> All right. <laughs> or or there's You're very a bit, persuasive. Or, or, or there's a bit of a compromise. Okay. Yeah, I mean there was uh, there was one example where it just got so stupid that the uh, head of the museum walked into one of the meetings that I was having alongside the retail team and the architects, and he came in and said, "I've had enough of this. The architects, you're no longer involved in this. Get out. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let Callum do what he wants to do." So there you go. I don't know. I like that. <laughs> 
okay. no name no names <laughs> no mentioned. names mentioned the power that you have Callum as well I love that <laughs> I have I have since worked with those architects on another project and everything was fine <laughs> we all we all have our little frictions that, that was 50, 15 years later and you know they'd come down <laughs> <laughs> it took them that that amount of time to mellow <laughs> yeah I'm glad there was a happy ending and um, what about um retail spaces that aren't at the actual attraction itself so you, we talk about harry potter i mean they have retail stores all over the place so you know king's cross is the one for yeah. me because obviously that is uh, very pertinent to the film so you know i will be queuing up to get you know waiting for my train to be announced and i'll see hordes of people queuing up to have their photo taken with their yeah. trolley wedged into the wall there and, and the shop there do you do you get involved in that element as well so yes retail- we do yeah we i mean we designed that shop um oh. and um that i mean that was a, a a moment of genius by um somebody out a guy called so jonathan, J- jonathan sands he he saw the opportunity and he opened that up and he eventually joined up with warner brothers he's since moved on but uh with with, with those ones um we did that shop we also did the uh airport shops but because of covid that that didn't work out. Then there was Cursed Child. Um, yes. uh, we did all the, um, the the retail and the theatres for that, and that you know that went worldwide: New York, um, Hamburg, Sydney. Um, I can't remember all the cities that uh, that, that that went to. And then uh, <coughs> we didn't get involved in it, but um, the uh, Warner Bros. opened up a store in New York, um, a full blown uh, store on. Um, Right next to the flat iron building. That's been enormously successful. Uh, we didn't we didn't get involved in that one, but the, there's the shops that Warner Brothers have done, but there's also the shops that lots of other people have done copies of. Um, and the, you know, if you go to Edinburgh, you've got like six versions of Harry Potter shops. Yeah. Nothing to do with us. <laughs> <laughs> no claim on those. What I'm Someone once described a retail experience as a bit like a theatrical experience, <laughs> not a musical theatrical experience, because we know how you <laughs> feel about those. <laughs> but but ultimately, you're taking you know the 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 visitor on a on a journey, aren't you, around the store, and, and you're making that yeah. a real experience for them. Can I ask you? And this might be like, what's your favourite child? But what what has been your favourite store to design from that perspective? Definitely the um, uh, the Warner Brothers Leaveson store um, because that's gone through a number of iterations as well. They've expanded it. We've moved it around. We've done different things. Um, we've put, um, <clears throat> we've developed the the restaurants and the cafes. Um, that that's been great fun too. I mean every every project. I mean I'm thinking. I mean because it's like recently opened. M plus in in Hong Kong has been a great experience, and that that's an interesting one about where it's going in, in the sector. Because within that, it wasn't just about the whole of the shelves with products on it. A, a number of what we called pavilions that were inspired by the uh, by Hong Kong, and for instance, the, the the central pavilion in the shop is a combination of a place where artists can do masterclasses 
and talk about um, what, what they're doing. And the retail guys are develop products based around the, uh, the artist um, or the artist has designed some of those products. And then there's another space where artists are given uh, the, the market stalls in uh, Hong Kong, um, which I don't know if you've been to Hong Kong, but it, the, the markets are amazing. And um, they're called, the, the stalls are called Pai Dongs. Um, we based one of um, our um, fixtures on uh, Pai Dongs. Um, and the idea, and that's what's happening, is that one of the pydons could be taken over by an artist to do anything that they want on it. Lovely. Yeah, so the sculptural or lighting or sounds, because you know, they've got sound artists and all of those kind of things. Or it can be handed over to um, almost on the concession basis. So, it, it, you know, it could be, um, I, I don't know, a sports retailer. It could take it take it over um you know all of those kind of things or personalization again where you could actually get you know if, if you're buying a wallet you can get your own initial put on it all of that kind of stuff um and then another part of it was for gift wrapping where we um were commissioning collig- chinese calligraphers who will actually sign it oh wow all of those are showing um uh origami yeah, how you yeah. can actually use origami to make your, your uh, gift wrapping look even more different. Oh, that's so, incredible. That's so, really theatrical, isn't it? Yeah, that's a real yeah. Experience. So you've really got activity going on in there. And I mean, and that's what happens in, with, with Harry Potter. I mean, you know, when you're buying a wand, you've got somebody showing you how everything works and how to wave it and what to say and all of those kind of things. And that just gives people something... You know, they'll remember that, they'll love that, and it will hopefully they'll also buy something. But it's it's adding something extra into that visitor experience. That's the way it's going for uh, mainstream retail as well. That that whole thing. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of like the Hamleys thing, isn't it, right? Because I can remember as a kid going around Hamleys and being, you know, you watch the people into you. you, They show you how to use the toys, and they they show you how to how they work and you know to play with them and yeah there's a there's a guy do you know what I I hope I don't misquote this because I think it was Jeff Ram that told me this story where um Jeff Ram is a a public speaker and he told me this story about how he just got mugged off (laughs) but he just got he spent so much money in Hamleys because of somebody uh, who was there you know demonstrating the product it was this yeah I, I, I can't it, it was like um some like paint paint blocks and they were painting these pictures and and then talking them through and and his kid was watching them paint and, and it asked that she asked the child what her name was and then she drew this picture with her initials and blah blah, blah and then gave it to her and and he was like that well that's it I have to buy that product now don't I I've got this, <laughs> I've got this picture that I'm taking home with me but I've also got to buy those things because that's yeah. my kid wants the magic you know she's just seen the magic happen yeah um, well I mean yeah. if you think about it you know you, you go down to a food market and you've got you know, the guys um, come and get your apples and pears and all of that kind of thing. I mean, you know, it's actually, it's not new. Um, <laughs> it's it's the way that people have always been persuaded to buy things, you know, or the, the butcher that will remember your name when you walk in and say, did you enjoy that steak last, you know, last week? Um, yeah. We've got a nice piece of, you know, roast beef here. Or, you know, it's, it's interaction. 
it's not just about how great the shop is. It's to do with the staff, the product, the atmosphere, um, the layout. You know, there's so many different aspects that we've got to work yeah. together. All the facets coming together. I think you've described that perfectly there, Callum. Thank you. Um, we're at the end of our interview, which I'm quite sad about, if I'm honest. I've really enjoyed this. <laughs> nice of you to say. <laughs> um, I always ask our guests a final question, which is about a book they love. But actually, I've got one more question for you. Um, yeah. I would love to know. You've got, a, I mean, your list of clients is incredibly prestigious. Is there anyone that you would love to work with that you've not got your hands on yet? Uh, that's a good... Hamleys. Hamleys, though. Okay. Yeah. There's some work that could be done there. Yeah. Um, I think if you put stuff out in the universe, you never know what's going to come back, do you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I just think there's... Uh, I think it's, um, well, if I ever get to speak to them, I'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think what Hamley's used to be and what it is now is um, in need of a little bit of uh, TLC. All right. Well, universe, let's see what you can bring to Callum. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. All right. What about a book that you love or, or something that you um, something that you love, something that's helped you in your career? What would you recommend to our listeners? Uh, well, I mean, there's a beautiful book by a fantastic illustrator called Charlie uh, Mackesy. I think that's how you pronounce his name. It's called The Boy, the Mole, the Fox and the Horse. And it's all illustrations, but with lovely little um, writing from him. And it's all about um, being gentle and kind to people. And that, that sounds a bit naff, but the illustrations are absolutely fantastic. I follow him on Instagram and it's just a lovely, beautiful book that I came across it as somebody else had it and then somebody bought it for my birthday. And I've I've actually used it a couple of times when I've I've done talks, et cetera, to illustrate different things. I highly recommend it. Charlie Mackenzie, The Boy, The Mole, The Fox and The Hare. It is a wonderful book. You you know it. I do. I also follow him on Instagram and I have the book and it is it is a beautiful book. And a number of people have recommended that book because I think it was it it touched a lot of people at a really challenging time as well. I think a lot of people were drawn to that book during the pandemic um, and it's become a bit of a staple in in, um, especially in nurseries as well, to be honest, a little bit of of love and a little bit of hope that we all needed at that time. Sorry, lots of other people have uh, recommended it as well. I I thought I might have come up with something that would be (laughs) awesome. No, it's a good thing. I always think it's a good thing if people have recommended it because it's testament to that book, isn't it? So it's a a good thing. So as ever, listeners, if you want to win a copy of that book, if you head over to our Twitter account and you retweet this uh, podcast announcement with the words, I would like Callum's book, uh, then you could be in with the chance of winning it. Callum, thank you. Yeah, isn't that lovely? People can can win your book choice. Um, Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a lovely chat. Um, we will put all of Callum's details in the show notes. We will put links to some of the case studies so you can see some of the incredible work. I'm sure most of you listening have visited many of the places that Callum has designed. So you will see firsthand what they look like. But we'll put links in the show notes and you can go and, and check that out. And if anyone has a connection at Hamleys that they would like to put Callum's way, pass it on to me and I will make sure he gets that. Thanks, Callum. Thank you, Kelly. Nice to see you. Thanks for listening to Skip the Queue. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find us. And remember to follow us on Twitter for your chance to win the books that have been mentioned. Skip the Queue is brought to you by Rubber Cheese, a digital agency that builds remarkable systems and websites for attractions that helps them increase their visitor numbers. You can find show notes and transcriptions from this episode and more over on our website, rubbercheese.com forward slash podcast.